0: his daughter the afterlife became his obsession you probably want to hear all about our haunted street but after years of searching he no longer believes so you're saying there's no such thing as ghosts I'm saying I've never seen one nothing would make me happier than to experience a paranormal event Gerald Olin manager of the dolphin I can just get the key to 1408 In the 95 years of the hotel's existence, there have been 56 deaths in 1408. 56? No one's ever lasted more than an hour. The first victims to Kevin O'Malley.
1: Cut his own throat. Do not stay in that room.
0: big air of menace.
1: Welcome, everybody, to new, the newest edition of Ian Hates Movies. My name is Kelly.
0: And my name is Ian.
1: And we are covering the fantastic Stephen King short story of 1408 movie version.
0: Oh, no. You know what that means, Kelly. Something bad's about to happen.
1: <laughs> we got an hour to do this thing. <laughs> oh,
0: this is going to show up a lot. A lot. <laughs> I actually wanted to just do the whole review with this on in the background the whole no, entire time. No,
1: you can edit that in afterwards. I ain't listened to the freaking Carpenters the whole damn time. <laughs> you, don't think,
0: you don't think that would go over well? It would no. go down as like the craziest episode of Ian Hates Movies of all time. I can tell you this, by the way. So I actually, in order to get these sound clips, because they don't just have these. I had to record these and get these all perfect. I had to watch the Carpenters music video. Talk about scary shit scary scary shit yeah yeah no that was 1970 and let's just say you didn't have to be attractive to make music back then (laughs) they seem to really emphasize the creepy for some reason and this well
1: i mean that's the whole austin powers sex symbol and you can still have screwed up teeth like that, that doesn't mean anything that's not how that
0: works but it's also the creepiness of the song is supposed to be like genuine and romantic and like we've only know, just begun we're getting together I, right <laughs> and it was a great use in this film for what oh, they're yeah. doing they did just, a good job for sure so for anyone who doesn't know I mean we're talking like everyone knows what we're doing we are going to be covering the Stephen King adaptation let's say of the short story 1408 which Kelly mentioned briefly it's the movie version with John Cusack and Sam Jackson now this is a complete complete difference from Cell
1: Thank God. (laughs) Completely
0: different. Which, yes, for anyone who listened to that episode of Ian Hates Movies, that was a tough one. And I love that book. And then to watch the movie hurt my soul. So this is a lot different because the short story was good. It was fine for what it was. But this actually expands on it a lot more. Right, and I think they
1: did a good job visually.
0: Yes, very similar to the way that Stand By Me was a short story by Stephen King first. I think it was called The Body and then it was called Stand By Me when they made the movie. So they expanded on it, obviously, because that's a full-length movie. It's the same here. In the short story, you get the basics of, hey, he writes horror novels about haunted mansions and haunted hotels. He goes into 1408. He doesn't have the backstory of his wife and his daughter. And the manager of the hotel is more of a ominous kind of put him in the situation kind of guy almost, like knows what the room is all about instead of trying to warn him what the room is all about, that kind of thing. And there's a different ending, so we will talk about that later because apparently we have... Like four different endings, if you include the short story (laughs) (laughs) that we have to talk about. And thank you. And all of them
1: work on their own level. Oh, they absolutely
0: do. Uh, Thank you to Mandy. Mandy, some of you may know Mandy from some of the past shows where she has guested, notably the Starship Troopers episode, which people tended to love. So that was great. She had some notes on the endings that we'll talk about later as well.
1: (gasps) Oh, maybe it's a 1408 thing. Ooh, Ooh, it's like the clock.
0: Yeah. For people that didn't know, because I am editing that out. (laughs) <laughs> i just got a call and it's on silent it's on silent and it still went through somehow so yes maybe it is a haunting so I'm waiting
1: for alexa to cue in too that'll be fun for nah, me no
0: i put her on mute <laughs> okay good but who knows if it's uh, a if we're saying. haunted yeah it's true
1: <laughs> she's just she knows that you're talking about the carpenters and it's just going to be a collection of crap that she's going to randomly play for you when you're in like the shower and stuff can't run out and turn her off
0: Ooh, scary oh. on that note yeah. All right. We'll get back to that.
1: So, the running budget for this movie in 2007 was 25 million, but their box office brought in 132 million.
0: Very nice. That's pretty good, right? I
1: think that's, that's a decent return. And I think this for 25 million, I think they did visually pretty well.
0: <laughs> I think it worked out pretty well. I mean, there are a few jump scares, like the jump scares are based on the Carpenter's song. And then you know, they have a few ghosts and spirits and stuff that, that show up, but they don't go blah. You know what I mean? Like they have the axe something wielder guy. I don't know. What do he have? A hammer? Uh, that was Mike Myers Halloween. What was that? Yeah, that was a little strange, but it was used in the right moments to get that scare to keep him on his toes, which was the point.
1: Right. But then you see him come back up in the whole... Ship painting. So I kind of wish they had explored that more.
0: Yeah, I guess since you saw the Amazon version, right?
1: Amazon Prime version. That is
0: not the director's cut. So there's an extra six minutes in the version I saw. So there might be a few different things. But they never do go into that backstory of that person. It just probably is one of the people that died in the room.
1: I was going to say, it's not one of the photos that he flips through into the book.
0: I didn't see that specifically. But maybe I missed it. It's a possibility. So the basic story... Is this is a haunted house? So haunted house, haunted mansion, Room. haunted hotel, whatever you want to call it. So, which my, by the
1: way is the only place you can see real ghosts in Orlando.
0: Yes, we <laughs> will get to that line. That was a good line. So Mike Enslin, Enslin, right? Is how you say sure. it. It's a weird last That's name. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's played by John Cusack. So we'll probably just call him John Cusack most of the time. It's easier. Yeah, I would assume that way you can. Nobody get
1: a, calls him by his name anyway through this whole movie.
0: Get a visual. I mean, only the fake hotel operator woman who he calls on the phone that's probably around (laughs) around it so that's John Cusack now Sam Jackson comes in the story later but he is by all means just a cameo really he's in like five to ten minutes of the movie this is an hour and 56 if you have the extra time or something like that it's somewhere around there right but most of the movie is just John Cusack in in most cases, you know. So the movie starts with him going to a quote unquote haunted hotel,
1: bed and breakfast.
0: Yeah, bed and breakfast haunted hotel, and they're you know they're they're shilling you know the the hauntedness of the and he's just like I've done this a million times. He's got a rating system. He uses his tape recorder that, that will be brought up a lot, where he talks to it and he's like he gives it five ghouls or something like that. It's out of ten ghouls. <laughs> So right. he goes around all these different places, and that's his job. He writes novels. Now he used to be—I don't know—you want to call him a regular writer, however you want to say it. Like he's got this niche horror now, but he used to do books before. He at least has one major book where right. it was like fiction or something, the, or the
1: long road away, or yeah, something, something along like those that. Lines. Yeah, yeah.
0: Still nonfiction, maybe, but not horror. It was more right. of a family dynamic, right? But he's gone away from that now. And you don't know the backstory of Initially. Yeah. Is he is he married? Is he, you know, does he have you know, what's he doing? It seems like he's just traveling around to all these different haunted places, you know, cashing in on writing books about it. But he's very jaded. The reason he travels with a spectrometer, what other stuff does he have? He has the infrared, he has all the basic ghost testing. Stuff, equipment right? yeah, yeah yeah all the
1: stuff you'd see on any of those i think it's on discovery now and history channel and annie's got one and it's all that kind of debunking yes <laughs> you can add nothing to this I'm
0: no thinking. there's nothing to add to it that's but that's what it is so he wants to find a glimpse of a spirit he would love to know because they mentioned this later on in the film. The reason why people believe in ghosts or spirits is because they want to know there's some semblance of an afterlife.
1: Right. That a- You know, yeah. you're not just gone.
0: And this kind of continues from our previous episode since we're continuing on with all the horror stuff of September and October. This continues my, you know, all spirits and ghosts are a bunch of dicks speech from <laughs> the previous Amityville horror episode. Because that's what this room is. It's kind of a dick. Like, yeah, but
1: like I, I wouldn't call it. This isn't a haunted room. Like it's not. That's it's not evil. what it is. Yeah. It's evil. Like there's not a particular thing you're running away from. Like it's not like the Grudge or The Ring. Like there's there's no iconic. It's just for some reason. I, it, what's the best? It's um. It's like the. It's it's a, it's a gateway to hell. So like anything that's evil will happen in this room. Kind of a deal.
0: Well, one thing we also want to mention is the room won't kill you. That's another thing. The room. Everyone-
1: Free
0: will. Yeah, everyone has free will, which is actually, you know, we bring that up with frailty, right? Yeah, we bring that up with frailty a little bit, free will, and we bring it up with some other movie, too. Why am I drawing a blank on it?
1: Well, no, Oh, obviously Devil's, Devil's Advocate.
0: Advocate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, well done. Well done, yes. Devil's Advocate was all about free will. So this movie, too, brings up the free will thing. So, you know, that random guy swinging a hammer or knife or whatever that was at John Cusack during parts of the movie that's not going to kill him. No. No. He has to decide, and they call it like express checkout, <laughs> he has to decide. Which is awesome. Yeah, whether or not he's going to kill himself or not. He does a little press talk where barely anyone shows up to his book signing. <laughs> he's hanging out in California, and he goes surfing for some reason. I guess he just likes surfing. He's he gets on his board, he's kind of looking around, he looks up, he sees one of those little planes that have the advertisement streaming behind it, and he kind of loses track. A little wave comes by, knocks him off his board. He might have gotten hit in the head with his board. It's hard to tell, but he washes up on shore, and by himself, he coughs up the water. He doesn't need anyone to do CPR or anything like that. Right. He then goes ahead and goes to the post office. He picks up some mail. There's a guy who knows him. In this post office, and tells him he just read his 10 haunted mansions. He's like, scary shit, man. And he just gives him a thumbs up. <laughs> and he goes and he looks at his mail and he's flipping through and he sees a postcard that kind of catches his eye. It's from the Dolphin Hotel in New York City. And on the back, it says, Don't stay in room 1408. And the first thing he does is he takes the one, four, zero, and eight, adds them together and it equals 13. And he says, right. Oh, very clever. He goes ahead and he makes a call. In that call, he says, I'd like to stay in room 1408. And the person on the phone says, that room is unavailable.
1: Immediately. Almost sets him off. I didn't tell you what day.
0: Exactly. So then he starts naming random days and then the person just ends up hanging up after saying a bunch of times, it's not available. Then he goes and he does an Amityville Horror where he goes to the library and starts looking through the old stills of the old newspapers. And he finds that, one of these guys had jumped out the window of room 1408 in the Dolphin Hotel in like what 19.
1: <laughs> this is gonna be the new buffer. It's gonna be like Jeopardy. <laughs>
0: and if you watch the movie, you understand why we'll be playing that from random times. A
1: lot, yeah. It's it has to do. It's I want to say it's like the, It's actually probably the 1940s because the first one they mention in the movie, which is.
0: Yeah, 1938 then, and it's it's when he jumps out of the hotel window. Right. So then he starts marking these down. Obviously, you realize there's more than just that guy. So that's just right. the first one that they're talking about. Then, you know, they cut to Sam, who's Tony Shaloub. I guess that's his publisher. Yes. And they make this whole big deal about how he's on the phone. He wants to see if he can get that room. And apparently, the lawyer found a loophole where if a room in New York City in a hotel is not occupied, they have to legally... Let you stay in it.
1: Right. It actually, it it dates back to like the 60s and the uh, rights movement where it's like, you can't deny me a room based on nothing, pretty much.
0: Right. He's all set to go. Sam tells him, yeah, this is all great. Then he takes him off speakerphone and he has a little private conversation with him where he says, hey, are you sure you want to come here? You know, it's New York. You know, will you be contacting Lily? And John Cusack's like, I'll be in and out. It's just a job. It's fine.
1: Right. I it's, uh, yeah. My goal is to just yeah. There there's no there's no need for me to hurt her to even know I'm in the city.
0: So you can assume that she is an estranged wife, maybe an old girl, whatever it happens to be. We don't know any backstory for that, but we know that he won't be contacting her while he's there.
1: He's avoiding someone. Yes. Rubbing at the Dolphin, um, he's pulled aside by the hotel manager who's played by Samuel L. Jackson, warns him that no one has lasted more than an hour in fourteen oh eight.
0: And now while he's there, he's noticing people that work for the dolphin as well, because that'll come into play later.
1: Right, yeah. and some of them even have the little pop-up moments where, like, it, clearly they're making you focus on this random, what you'd assume is a background actor for some reason. So you're you're going to be focusing on them.
0: And he has one bag too. That's a big thing to note. Like, normally, if I go to a hotel room, I normally have a little. I expect to be staying for a while. He's only doing a one-night stay. Right. In most
1: his normal whatever it is for for the room. When he does the, the ratings or whatnot. Anyway, so he goes to check in and she says, hold on. She gets the manager and the manager actually brings her to the general manager, who is Samuel L. Jackson. And it's like, do you mind if I talk to you in private about this? Now, mind you, he's trying to buy him off. We're going to upgrade you to the presidential suite. You don't have to worry about this. I can get you any kind of tickets you want. Trying to get him to not do this.
0: And what I like about this, too, is speaking of, you know, them being together in cell. This was a movie in 2007. I don't even know if we mentioned that. Cell was a movie in 2016 that we just recently did. There is an extreme difference between their acting styles now compared to back then. And they have good chemistry in this scene in this movie. Absolutely. So I'm very disappointed that that didn't come through in Cell. But they definitely knew what they were doing here. Right.
1: Right. Um, So pretty much uh, Jackson brings him back to his office. Now, mind you, it looks like something out of the Haunted Mansion. I mean, this is (laughs) Old World Mahogany Library. I have a little marble fireplace in the corner. And I got to talk to you about this particular room. And, of course, he starts spouting off the facts about the room, which Cusack already knows. So, of course, he starts quoting them back to him. And then Jackson wants to impress upon him that there is definitely... More to it than you know, and pulls out this little book that says, so do you know about the 22 natural deaths that happened in the room? And then Cusack's face kind of drops a little bit and just kind of stares at him. He's like, of course you don't, because the newspapers don't report on those.
0: It ends up being like 56 people in the last 95 years. Right. And yeah, they go through some of the more gruesome Deaths that have happened. They also have a little banter at the beginning where John Cusack asks, you know, "Hey, is it 1408 a smoking room?" And Sam Jackson's like, "Yes, actually it is." And he offers him a cigar. And John Cusack said, "No, I don't smoke." But he's got a cigarette, which you notice in the beginning of the film too. He's got a cigarette on his left ear, or right ear, and. It's there, he says, in case nuclear winter, nuclear whatever, destruction of the planet happens. It's at last game. Yeah. Sings. And I really like that little touch. I think that's a great little thing. I wish I had something like that where I was just like, oh, this is a break glass in case this is the end of the world.
1: You're right, right. This is a, ah, fuck it yeah. moment.
0: <laughs> so that's one of his rituals is he's got that? he's got that cigarette there.
1: But see, that right there kind of gives you a little bit more into him is that – You know, he's going around trying to debunk all these places, but just in case shit actually does go down and shit Israel, I still have this little totem. I have this little like safety net. Kind of.
0: Kind of, yes. Sam Jackson offers him this really, really expensive bottle of whatever was it? Cognac. Yeah, it's like from nineteen it once again, it's like old school, like nineteen eighteen, like something. Shit that opened up
1: with the hotel, apparently. Right.
0: And he's like, hey, you, but you drink, though, right? And John Cusack is like, I just told you I was a writer. A writer. <laughs> <laughs> they have very good banter. And you can tell genuinely Sam Jackson is not playing a game. He legitimately does not want John Cusack to stay in that room. Now, whether it's a, you know, he mentions how he's read his books, whether it's a compassion for another human being. That's debatable. He does mention that it's purely selfish that he just doesn't want to do the cleanup. He's not a mortician. He's, not a, you know, he's a manager of a hotel. That is not right. his job to clean up your dead body or whatever the fuck you do to yourself.
1: Pretty much. And he said that there's already been four people die on his watch.
0: And by then he's just banned anyone from D- staying no, in the room. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, nope, it's we don't have that room. That room doesn't exist.
0: Right. He bribes him with the entire bottle of the alcohol. He Gives him this entire file. He says, look, you don't have to go in 1408. I think he said 1410 is the exact layout. No one will know the difference. You can write about all the notes I have on every single one of these desks. Just don't go in the room. John Cusack takes the bottle and is like, I'm still staying in the room. He's like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It was a nice little fuck you because you come to find out. That John Cusack does not believe in God. So he has a little tiny speech where he says, you know, I don't believe in ghosties. I don't believe in little itty-bitty. And
1: spooks. Yeah, and all that the, kind all of stuff. All your little
0: yeah. 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 shit
1: that hides in your closet. None of that's real.
0: I stopped believing in vampires when I was 12. <laughs> and we all know that this isn't real because there is no God to protect us, even if it was. So you can tell where his mindset is. And he just right. wants to come in, do his job, and... This will be a good final chapter for his book but Sam Jackson is trying he is trying it just doesn't it doesn't work
1: so then we cut over and uh, he pulls out a relic that you know he's like wow most most hotel rooms have magnetic keys and you guys are kind of old school he's like we have magnetic keys in the rest of our rooms no electronics work in this room no electronics
0: so, work in 14 and it's like a,
1: it's a skeleton key too like this thing yeah. is... It's of epic looking.
0: It's ancient. John Cusack starts to talk into his tape recorder again, which by the way, Sam Jackson allows him to record their conversation as well, which is also a sign that he believes in what he's saying. He's not Mm -hmm. dicking around here. This, this stuff is real shit. He's talking to his tape recorder and he's basically mentioning, oh, Olin says that the the spirit or the ghost in, or phantom, I think he uses something like that. Phantom in the room won't allow. And he goes, whoa, he goes, no, you must understand me. I never said phantom or spirit. So John Cusack says, well, what did you, what do you mean? And Sam Jackson just leans in and goes, it's an evil fucking room. <laughs> and you have to say, Perfect Sam Jackson has to too. say fucking somewhere. Perfect deadpan. Yes, it was absolutely great. But with a little smirk. In no, it, yeah, because
1: like, you got to seal it off.
0: It works very, very well. So he takes him up the elevator, the old school elevator goes up to floor 14. They kind of have a little banter where they talk about how, and you notice there's no floor 13.
1: Well, I mean, a little bit about that. So that's actually an American thing, that there are no 13 floors. There's actually, um, I believe, only four hotels in the whole U.S. that were actually built by um, foreign investors who didn't know this, and there are 13th floors. One of them is actually a Disney hotel. Oh. Uh, At Disneyland, uh, Paradise Pier has a 13th floor. Anyway.
0: Have you stayed there? I have in the 13th floor? No. Oh.
1: <laughs> but if you notice every time you go into a hotel, it will go from 12 to 14. There there are no 13th floors in right. most
0: hotels. So they have that little bit of banter. They get up to the 14th floor and Sam Jackson will not leave, you know, he won't leave the actual elevator. Yeah, the elevator. And during their banter too, he mentions because John Cusack brings up, he goes, "Well, that room must be disgusting." I mean, it must be like old and dusty and blah blah. blah. And he goes, no, no, no. We're a good hotel. There is a light turn down every month where I stay here, and it's two people. Two maids. Yeah. The,
1: yeah. the door remains open. I supervise, and we are in and out of there. I think she. He ten said minutes. what in ten minutes, yep. and we treated it as if there's toxic gas in yep.
0: there. And he mentions even then there has been an instance where a like Guatemalan maid had gone in, and somehow the bathroom door shut. And she was only in there for a few moments, and when they got the door open, she had gouged her eyes out with scissors or whatever and was laughing hysterically. Yep. So what I like about a story like that is that means the room knew it only had a little bit of time and had to turn up whatever it was doing to get her before she left. Right. And that's just... That's the little touches that work very well with that kind of thing. So when they get up to the 14th floor, Sam Jackson says, this is where I leave you. And he asks him one more time, please do not stay in the room. And, of course, John Cusack has. He's like, see you in the morning and starts walking away.
1: Jackson's like, nope.
0: Nope. He just—he closes <laughs> the door. That's it. He's like, I'm never going to see this guy again. And he yeah, just closes yeah. the door. And I don't know if you notice this or not because you wouldn't notice it if you happened to look away from this movie for a second. But he starts walking down. You see, obviously, all hotels have that sign that says, like, blank-to-blank rooms this way, way. blank-to-blank rooms that. Yeah. So he's going towards 1408, and the sign says he's going to it. And he's looking at the file as he goes through, and he sees all these gruesome deaths and everything. And he looks up to see random room numbers as he's going by, and each one's getting progressively closer to 1408. But then, as he's turning corners, he actually returns back to where the elevator is and the elevator opens for him as like a one more chance like somehow because it's not possible that he passed 1408 if you look at the schematic that they show you later it was some type of magic that was allowing him one last chance which is also a nice little touch
1: well i think it's a callback to in the book when he gets to the door the door shifts on him yes In the story. So this is that same kind of like it's giving you a warning of there's something bad here and you don't want to do this.
0: Right. I'm giving you one more chance. This is your get out of jail free card. Yeah, exactly. And of course, he doesn't take it because he doesn't believe in any of this stuff. And he's been told the same stories over and over again from people for different haunted hotels and all this crap. Never believes it. So one of the things you want to note is they do rent out every other room except for 1408 so they show a woman with a crying child going into like 1410 or something like that or 1406 whatever it happens to be right but it's close it's connected to his room.
1: Right. it's yeah it's that's the only room i mean jackson even makes in a a, a thing towards him and the fact that we occupy it at a 90 occupancy trust me we don't advertise this we don't need the bump we're completely fine when it comes to getting guests to stay at our hotel
0: Right, exactly. This is just the one room that they don't, that they don't do anything with.
1: it's not there,
0: so they do some very good. I think, anyways, some very good camera work where they have him open the door. They have the sliding and the opening of the lock. With the old timey key. He goes in. A You look in the room. And you're seeing him illuminated by the outside. And you're inside the room looking at him as he flips on the lights. I like that. I think that's a nice little touch. Right. And when he comes in, the music kind of hits a crescendo of what's going to happen. Like, is something going to jump out of him right now? Is the door going to slam behind him and lock him in? And then we're going to go from there. No, he just goes, this is it. This is another <laughs> ugly room. Yeah. yeah. So he puts the key down. He puts his special cigarette onto the coaster that they have, the the glass coaster. And then he starts walking around the room explaining everything that's, you know, the quaintness of the room. Because it's kind of nice. I mean, there's a the living room. There's the bedroom. It's a suite, right? There's a nice right. bathroom. And, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And for the age of the hotel, it seems like it's it doesn't look like it opened in the 20s. Like, it, it seems like it still has – I mean, it has that architecture to it, but it's not – overly gilded it's not overly but it's got good detailing to it
0: he's commenting on these things and you're and you're seeing it as well you know the toilet paper is done a special way you know how hotels do that you gotta, I know you why gotta they fold
1: it into a point. Yeah,
0: I know why they do it. It's just it's funny because you would never do that in your own home, probably. <laughs> why would you ever waste your time? But hotels is nice. They have the little chocolates on the pillow. There's right, an right. arm. Turn down and service and
1: yeah.
0: There's an armoire. There's all that kind of. There's all that kind of stuff. He goes TV over TV from the 80s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what's great is he looks on the TV and he goes to the adult films and it's spring break, housewives orgy, and wild cherries unleashed. And I gotta say. I was very interested in Wild Cherries Unleashed. That sounded like a good title. I was hoping he would put that on the background, but he didn't. (laughs) This is one of those horror movies where we don't get any nudity.
1: No. Well, see, but that's this is I put this in the thriller category. In thriller, you don't necessarily get nudity.
0: Yeah, there's a little mystery in it, too, I guess. But I would say it has to be horror-wise because of the gore as well.
1: I don't know. Gothic is pretty graphic, and that's considered a thriller.
0: I don't know. I think you have to put this in horror. It's a haunted hotel.
1: Just, Just still, it's it's not your typical. It's it's not a tits movie. It's a little. There's a little bit more intellectual than that.
0: So he goes in. He like pulls off the paper in the. You know he needs a tissue, so he pulls off some from the. And there are reasons why we're telling you guys this. Right. You know, there are reasons why we're doing this. He goes over and he looks at the price for. Beer nuts, beer nuts. (laughs) It's like eight dollars. This truly is an evil hotel. (laughs) He starts playing with the thermostat, and it's at like 80 or so. And that's a little higher for a hotel than you would normally. I mean, that's that's one of the things for like I don't like the cold, but for hotels, I like to go in there and have that AC on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the best part. I mean, I can turn, I can jack this thing down to like. 64 and go to bed and have all my comforters on and be completely happy and not worry about getting a 300 dollars AC bill.
0: Right. So now he goes around. He's kind of seeing some stains. They probably didn't clean this room that great. So he's looking at like the stain on the corner. He starts talking about the different framed pictures. Yeah, that are the tacky the... photos. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The hunt and there's a really weird woman teaching these crazed children. Then there's a boat. You know, Whistler on Rocky... knockoff. Yeah, yeah.
1: The the, the bad. Boat on the ocean, kind of. He's, it's all airplane art or whatever. Yeah,
0: hotel yeah. art. <laughs> then he goes out and he looks around. Obviously, there's nothing to look at in the New York you know, area. And he's kind of just talking about it. You can hear the noises from the city, obviously. And he's outside there. Are, I guess we should note this. There are two windows for this hotel room. Just so right. you know, there's one in the bedroom and there's one in the living room. So he goes ahead and he opens up the window. He looks out. He's talking in his tape recorder. Then all of a sudden... this comes on on the clock radio blaring yeah it's a little obviously we're not gonna you know do this to your ears yes but and it's a little bit distorted as well which is something i couldn't do (laughs) but so he's like what the fuck so he goes ahead and he starts looking around it's a clock radio on the side of the bed and what he notices are the chocolates are back on the pillow he checks the closet, no one's in the closet, he runs in the bathroom and sees that the toilet paper is redone again.
1: In his in the point again.
0: Yeah. So he's like, oh, this is something new. I I've, I've never had this happen before. So he starts running around trying to decide where the person would be.
1: Yeah, who could do this? Okay, yeah. so if I'm over here, he has time to turn that on, go over here, get in here, and then that much mean, he's in the closet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes out to the armoire, and he opens that up, yeah. And he's just trying to look around, can't find it, and notices that there's also a vent in the room as well. And he looks up there, and he kind of, I think his mind is playing tricks on him. He doesn't really see or hear anything, but he's like yelling, because he, he believes that's the only way. But even then, he's not thinking completely clearly, because how would someone jump up into that vent? And do all this stuff and then get back up in the vent without him right. staying. He was, had his head outside the window for like four seconds. Ish. So, of course, he's still not going to believe that anything else is going on. You know, this is just a little parlor trick. This is yeah. nothing that he really has to worry about.
1: Trying to get me to check out of the room.
0: So then thermostat is getting kind of hot. You can tell he's sweating a little bit. So he's like, look, if I'm going to figure this stuff out, I might as well you know, get this fixed. So he calls down. He's like, hey, guess what room? And he goes, you know, the room's on fire. You need to send someone up here. And they're like, yeah. A woman answers. She's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, he's kind of surprised because of all the stories about people not working in the room, all that kind of stuff. Goes ahead, flips down the lights, and now checks out the room with the infrared And on every single stain and everything, you just see blood splatters and whatever it might be.
1: And friends. Yeah, everything.
0: And it flashes to whatever dead person happened to be there. I mean, the bed is covered, the corners. Like, there's a person who's died in, like, every section of this this hotel.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Somehow.
0: So then he sits down and he kind of looks at the painting with the ship in the rocky seas and everything. And it's starting to almost... Not come alive, but he's starting to hear random things, and then all of a sudden, knock at the door. So that jumps, you know, that's a little bit of a jump scare, I guess you could call it. But he goes over, he flips back on the lights, and he has trouble getting the door open. That's so bad. <laughs> you realize that the room probably knows that it hasn't pushed him enough to leave. So it's letting him have this opportunity not to leave. Like it knows right. that he's not going anywhere, but it's going to let someone else kind of enter the situation for a second. Right. And it's this old maintenance guy and he will not step into the room. Right. So he's like any jackass can fix a thermostat. <laughs> so he talks John Cusack into fixing it. All he has to do is tap the mercury cu- uh, tube, not cube, in the thermostat it works. You can hear the breeze. Hear the air. Yeah, exactly. He turns around to give him a tip, and he is gone. Gone. Now, John Cusack does step out of the room for a second to see him already on the other side leaving. Like, that guy oh, was yeah, out man. of there. Yep. Yeah, nope. No part of this. So he goes ahead, and he comes back in the room, and he shuts the door. That was probably his chance you know, to, to get out while he could. But right now, he's he has to prove that they're just messing with him. Mm-hmm. Not that this is anything real or anything like that. So he comes back in the room and he grabs his, I think it's the beer nuts again, jumps on the bed. <laughs> We're telling you specific things because this movie is very specific and you have to know what's going on here to paint the picture for everything.
1: Right. And it's one of those, if you leave something out, it will come back later on and then we'll be like, damn it, we forgot to tell you. About
0: that. <laughs> exactly. So he's sitting on the bed, just minding his own business. And then yeah, this comes on in the background again. And it just freaks him out because it's startling. It's coming from the clock radio. And then all of a sudden when he looks, it's 8.07 p.m., I think. So right now you're thinking, oh, this is midnight or this is, you know. No, he checked in early. You know, he's Mm -hmm. not going out for dinner. He's not going to catch a show like Sam Jackson was trying to do. He is just waiting in that room. So it's 8.07. Then all of a sudden it changes to 60 minutes. And then the countdown starts. He remembers that Sam Jackson said no one's lasted more than 60 in minutes. An He's hour. Like, yeah. Then he starts hearing like almost like a little bit of a tinnitus kind of thing, like that loud,
1: high pitch, just yeah, the e. Uh.
0: And he realized that's not allowing him to hear anything. So he goes out again to the window. He opens it up. He looks down. Now he can't hear anything in New York, which is crazy because you should be able. So it's almost like this is the hotel now. It's your 60 minutes. And now we're disconnecting you from the real from world. From everything. Yeah. yeah, you are alone here. Yes, he turns around, but he leaves one hand in the windowsill. And then all of a sudden, slam down, right down. And it is hard on his like fingers to the knuckle area
1: oh yeah yeah no i mean this is gonna break skin if not break your hand like this and you gotta think that these are probably old lead line windows anyway so they're (laughs) heavy as shit
0: this is gonna hurt like a motherfucker right so he is now and obviously he gets it up he's bleeding he runs into the bathroom he starts you know hitting things because he's mad so now there's blood over everything he gets a towel he tries to wrap it around he tries to wash it as he washes it A ton of hot water comes out and just starts spraying crazily. He has to, like, kick it and put a whole bunch of towels on it and stop it from going. Then he goes into his bag, gets a bandana, and he wraps it around his hand. You've got blood dripping everywhere, so it's almost like the hotel is being fed which is the way I thought of it because they specifically showed some drops hitting the floor and almost like absorbing in. Right. Yeah. So it's like now the hotel is, or now the room we should say, is waking up like, oh, here's our next victim. Like we haven't had one for a long time. This is going to be fun for us. And that's basically what you have to understand about this room. Like it's the whole theory I had on ghosts being dicks. This room is a big fucking dick. <laughs> it's just
1: it, it, you're here for me to play with you it, this yeah. is I'm going to fuck with you because that's uh, I'm also trapped in this room too and now you're my new plaything. Yeah whatever it may be.
0: It knows the past it knows everything about the person. it seems anyways that's that's right. what it seems to be. So he's now hurt, obviously, and that that is a bad wound. If it's not closing and it's that much pain, like that is something you would go get some first aid for, maybe go to a hospital, depending.
1: He hears ringing and he goes to answer it, and there's just dial tone and (laughs) that
0: continues to ring. And then the next phone rings, the one in the living room rings. He gets that one, and it's the woman again. She's like, I'm sorry, sir, there's been a mix-up in in the kitchen and your sandwich is going to be delayed. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't order a fucking sandwich. Give me a doctor." He's like, I'm fine with checking out. He's like, I'm ready. And, you know, he's not being a pussy or anything. It's his injury is severe enough that you would leave a room. He could come right. back later. Right. But he's probably seen enough where he's like, there's something going on here. I'm hurt. I need to get this taken care of. The woman is like, I don't have to listen to this. <laughs> I don't, have to, don't use you that You can't tone.
1: talk to me with that tone of voice.
0: And she's like, well, let me put you on with the manager, Olin. And he's like, yes, yes, definitely. I, you know, I'll, I'll sue you. I'll sue you. I need to I need to check out. Let me out of here. And then they start playing an advertisement for the diner or whatever, the restaurant that's in the hotel, and then it cuts him off. It just
1: dial tone. So
0: he's like, fuck this. I'm out. He goes, he gets his shit. Now he leaves his cigarette because he is so ready to go. He tries to open up the door. It won't allow him to open it. He runs, grabs the key, puts it in, and breaks off. The tip of the, or what do you call it? The handle of the key, I guess. Pretty much, yeah. And then the door sucks in the rest of the key. The key. Yes. Yeah. So then he tries a knife. That sounds like it works, like it's open. And he goes to pull the knob. The knob falls off. So the hotel is just fucking with him. Like giving him that little bit of ounce of hope. And it just doesn't work. So now he's pounding on the door. There's blood all over the door because he's using his other hand. He's kicking it. He's punching it. It will not open. He is stuck in this room. He actually looks out of the peephole, and it looks like there's another or his eye looking back at him. Back
1: at him, yeah. So you're trapped in this room.
0: So he goes ahead, and he runs over to the window in his room, the same one that hurt his hand. And he's outside the window again, and he starts calling to people and realizes that no one can hear him. So then he looks across, directly across from him at the other apartment building or whatever it happens to be. And he sees a man there in the dark. And he's just sitting there. So then the man gets up and all of a sudden basically starts doing the same things. that Mimicking. He's the, yeah, mimicking him back and forth. So now this goes on for a little while because John Cusack doesn't understand what's going on. He's like, how could this person be doing the exact same thing as I am? So he's moving left to right. He's you know, getting down. He's, he's still yelling. He stops yelling. He the pick, pantomiming. Yeah, he picks up a light, one of the lamps, puts it on his face. It shows a different John Cusack in the other room and shows some weird psychopath behind him, which is what Kelly and I talked about before, swinging, you know, about to swing. So he ducks. It actually is in his room that this is happening. And then he gets kind of pushed into a corner, but the thing disappears, whatever it happened to be. Right. He throws a lamp out of the window. It kind of does this like weird electrical noise and then disappears right so So there's no
1: way to, to to get a hold of anybody anywhere you can't throw stuff out of your window no one can hear you it just it evaporates
0: and now he's starting to realize and he's talking to his tape recorder that something is going on and it's something maybe not supernatural because he seems to hear something or seems to think that he's seeing a spy camera in the vent and then goes to the booze and the chocolate and realizes oh shit did Olin take any sip of that? Should I I shouldn't have eaten the chocolate. I shouldn't, you know, is something spiked? Exactly.
1: So, yeah, they've drugged me so then this shit seems way more real than it probably is.
0: You hear this stuff every once in a while. It's fucking great. Oh,
1: my God, that song.
0: But I will tell you that now the hotel is starting to dig in a lot more because now with him spouting off that this is probably just a hallucination that he's drugged, whatever it happens to be, they need to really... Dig that knife in a little bit. So what do they do? They show a video, a home video on the TV of his wife Lily and I guess his daughter Katie, because you don't really know until I mean we know because we watched the right. movie, and hopefully you know because you watch the movie. But it's Katie and they're doing this weird competition of the ugliest person competition. <laughs> which is already very strange. So they're all making weird faces, and that's what gets them the the ugly whatever. And he goes up to the screen and he's touching it as Katie goes up to it. And it's weird because at the end, it's almost like she's noticing him outside of the TV.
1: Breaking the fourth wall.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're Deadpooling this from the beginning. Yes. Yes. So then the TV does turn off by itself. And now he is just like, fuck all this. And he goes over to take a drink, even though he was just talking about how he doesn't want to. And then he sees a black and white out of focus guy look at him and then jump out of the window
1: it's very twilight zone roger sterling like it has that kind of like you almost look 2d you don't look 3d yeah a projection of this hologram happening
0: and then you have a woman who her body is black and white but her clothes are colorful and i like that little touch I've always liked that kind of thing where you can change one part, black and white, one part color. It's got an eerie feeling to it. And well, she, it's
1: the, the progression of color. So this guy died before there was color on TV. And this woman had gotten to the point where, and she's dressed like the 1950s anyway, where they could have easy uh, uh, colorized, quote unquote, these outfits.
0: She jumps out of the living room window. Yes. Then he goes and he starts hearing that baby that we talked about before. He starts hearing the baby crying through one of the walls. And he goes over and he's trying to say, hey, please, I need help. Someone help me. And the baby's scream just gets so loud that it starts to bust his ears almost. And he takes a chair and he throws it up against the wall. And that kind of puts a crack in it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Breaks the chair, obviously. Then he goes into the bathroom. Now, the bathroom has now turned into, I guess, an old man's living quarters in one of those old folks' homes or something or a hospital an insane asylum right. maybe
1: you can tell that there's still reminiscence of the bathroom in there but it's, it looks almost like it's it's a long hallway or, or it's a stretched out room and he knows the person sitting there but you don't they don't let you know who that person is yet
0: you realize later it's his father right and he says his closing line in this little scene is as I was you are as I am you will be." Right, and that kind of fucks John Cusack up a little bit. Did he put him in a home and leave him there? Like, what's what's kind of the deal there? You don't know any of that backstory. Remember, he is completely talking on his tape recorder anytime he feels weird, and he's kind of still putting in quotes that would you know be in the book kind of as well. And he goes over to the wall and he says, "Can you die in your dreams? Is that possible?" Because he's trying to think like, when was the last time I slept? Am I in a crazy, hallucinating dream? Just a really realistic nightmare.
1: Right. Which, I mean, everybody's had those kind of things where you wake up and you're like, everything felt real. So that's understandable. And that's a great way to touch in with the audience. But it also kind of plays to the fact where, you know, he's brought up that maybe he's been drugged. It's brought up, you know, it could be a number of things. And he's still trying to play off that. This isn't really happening. There's a real reason. Right. This isn't really happening. There's a real <laughs> reason psychologically behind what is happening to me. Yeah.
0: now i have a question for you kelly Mm. have you ever had dreams where you've died in your dreams yep i have two it happens a lot so that's why i'm i'm very surprised when people say you can't die in your dreams or any of that kind of stuff it's very rare for me to have met people that have said the same thing but it happens all the time and it's the worst like sometimes it's torture Sometimes it's like a terrible death and sometimes and a lot of times, actually, I'm sacrificing myself for another person.
1: Okay, well, how about this? Are you seeing it first person or are you seeing this third person?
0: It's hard to tell. Sometimes I've never
1: seen myself die.
0: So it's not first person then. I think all my dreams are normally in third person.
1: Okay, see.
0: Yeah, that's normally my dreams in third person. I've seen myself die many a time. Then okay. yeah, which is weird. The psychiatrist will be listening to this podcast. Awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never physically seen myself. I've come out of myself and seen third person, but never had it go to the point where I've died.
0: Oh, okay. See, so yes, I have many a time. Many a time. No,
1: wait. Like it just goes black and you wake up? One time I came wake up? No, I
0: wake up because sometimes I've come back At least once I've come back as a ghost, but being who I am, I've come back as a ghost, a helpful ghost. So,
1: Casper, okay.
0: I don't know. Casper was still weird because wasn't he still trying to get what's her name to kill herself basically to be with him too? Kind of, I don't know. That whole movie's fucked up.
1: Yeah, that's another weird one.
0: Yeah, that's a very weird movie. Like, I remember seeing that with my parents and my sister when we were really young and not understanding. Yeah. It was like the whole theater was filled with kids. Like Casper is supposed to be for kids, but that has Bill Pullman, I think, like committing suicide to be with yep. his wife. And yep. yeah, there's a lot of shit in that movie.
1: Yeah, it's a lot more dark than it. I don't see how that was really billed as a kids movie.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't get away with that now. No. No, Ooh. absolutely. No, I'm surprised they haven't changed the rating on that movie. <laughs> Look, every we made fun of it before. I'm sure on the show too. It's one of those things where imagine people trying to pitch Back to the Future now. Like, that was a PG movie. I don't think... Back to the Future is not PG-13, right? It's PG. No, they're PG. Yeah. And that whole movie is about a teenager whose best friend is possibly a disgraced nuclear physicist. They never talk about how they became friends. They never nope. talk about any of that kind of stuff. Marty doesn't have any other friends. He has his girlfriend, but that's it. And then he has to stop a guy from raping his mother... And he has to stop his mother from having sex with him, like yep. all in a PG movie. Right, absolutely crazy. Well,
1: interesting thing about that is um, I'm currently Ooh, staying us. at my uh, staying at my mom's house, but she likes to put on All in the Family, and they've actually gotten to the point where they will bleep out oh, stuff. Yeah, where I'm like incredibly racist. This, was, this this was all like this was this was easily shot. None of that was bleeped out in the 70s when it came no. out. Like it was all perfectly fine to say all these things.
0: Yeah. Oh no, things you know, have was- changed.
1: Wow, <laughs>
0: absolutely all right, so that was a sidetrack. Let's get back anyway, yeah, let's get back to the movie. So you know how in a hotel you go to the door normally and they have the emergency like here's That's where the- all the yeah, here's where all the rooms are. this is how you get out, blah blah. he goes over there he sees the complete layout. he realizes, oh, I can probably leave my window and walk over to fourteen ten and get in that window. so he starts to kind of he's deciding on how Many steps is going to be. Can he do it? So right. he makes sure before he steps out of the window, he makes sure in his tape recorder to say, in case I slip and fall, this was an accident.
1: Yeah, this is not suicide.
0: The room did not win, which yeah. is a big thing. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he Because he's so stubborn. It's perfect. So he goes and, he's, and now you hear New York again. He's got a little bit of room on the ledge. It's not the smallest of ledges or anything. His, his foot basically is the same uh, length. It depends on how he orientates his foot, but basically this wouldn't be too much of a problem, besides not looking down and all that kind of stuff.
1: Right, uh, and obviously nothing to hold on to. Now the one downfall which they don't touch upon downfall that, uh, did come out in uh 2007. Now I understand why there's no safety windows on 1408 because no one ah. goes into 1408. Yes, all the other windows would not open. But he's not, really
0: in. he's not thinking. He's not right. thinking about that. Yeah, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> just find, like
1: to find out that it's one of those. That wouldn't work. (laughs) Right.
0: He's at that point. He has to get out of the room. He knows this is haunted. He knows something is going on. So yeah, as he makes his way, he realizes, oh shit, I should have been there already. They zoom out and there are no other windows windows. in the whole hotel except for his two. So as he makes it back to the living room window, there was a reason why we mentioned that the woman was jumping out of that one. All of a sudden, she shows up and kind of takes a swipe at him. Now, it doesn't hit him or anything, right. but he falls down as she's doing her little suicide jump that she did before. She does it again. He is now holding on by just his arms and elbows on that ledge he was originally on. Right. So he has to work back now and drag himself up, which is pretty tough, actually. He was holding himself down there while she was jumping, so that's like a minute of him just holding himself. Then he has to get his way up. Then he notices that the windowsill is starting to come down, so he has to speed up and jumps through and as the windowsill just slams shut.
1: Mind you, he's still doing this with a busted hand.
0: Right, yeah. Yes, so he gets back into the room. He goes over and he notices from across the room that the emergency exit map. Is completely blacked out, and it's only you are here with fourteen oh eight in the room.
1: It's yeah, just that room.
0: I love shit like that. I got to be no, honest. No, no, absolutely. I, yeah, I love I it. I love
1: that touch because that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a that's it's one of those things where it really takes no effort on on, on a director or film's thing, right. but it's such an impact because everybody knows that map.
0: It, it's just the little those little things that work so well. Now they go a little campy. And he looks out of the keyhole and there's a brick wall. And then he looks over to the two windows and the window he just came back into is completely bricked off. And there's a saying on it. Or there's like a scrawled in. It says, burn me alive. And then he runs into the bedroom and the wall is just complete with no window anymore. Right. And he's just like, what the fuck? is going on he just doesn't get it. he starts talking to his tape recorder again then he starts hearing katie his daughter right now with this stuff it's not and i think actually we might be a little off i think this happened a little bit earlier where you just hear katie's voice but it's more of a fake ghost right voice, and you don't you know? know
1: that you just know that there's some kid and it's talking about I'm looking for my daddy can you help me but it's that kind of a deal so right. which I mean it's just a creepy element so that doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't it could have flashed over and there could have been a kid killed in this thing like yeah.
0: you don't know And I don't think it was and I want to make that clear now right. that I don't think that that was her but now he's looking and he sees just all of a sudden he sees in front of him his wife Lily and him talking She's saying like, oh, there can be treatments, there can be this. And yeah, what God would do this to a child? And the next scene is Katie lying there in the bed and she's out of it. She's pale. She's, she's probably on the verge of death. And he says, Katie, like he just mounts the word Katie kind of comes out in this real hotel thing that he's dealing with. And she notices it somehow. And that was a nice little touch too. Her eyes moved to where the sound was. But it's not a scary thing. It's that happened in real life, and now there's a connection between the two, which is pretty interesting. Then all the lights go out, and now he's (laughs) by himself. He has no idea what's going on. He gets a flash, I think, again from that murderer guy, whoever that happened to be. And now it's not hot anymore. Now it's my nightmare. Now it's my hell, which is it's now 40 degrees or so. In the hotel room. <laughs> he has to get his like jacket on because obviously it's way colder than it was before. And he takes out his old Dell and he signs into like AIM basically. And he does a video chat. And the first person he pulls up is Lily. This is where you get some of the backstory because she's like, "Right, I haven't talked to you in a year. And now you're calling me from a box on my computer. She's at work right now. He mentions, Hey, something's trying to kill me. I'm at the dolphin. You have to call the police. She's like, What? What she takes from that is, You're in the city and you didn't right. contact me. Right. She's like, You left me a year ago. It's not divorced. Is it estrangement or is it um, separation? Wh- separation. You know, and when she answers the phone, she still says the same last name. And then all of a sudden, the sprinklers come on. And it completely, right away, the computer goes to, like, blue screen. (laughs) Yeah, blue screen. Right. I have read, because I always do my research for stuff, I was reading, you know, what people thought about this movie and people not understanding the ending again. Like, all that stuff came up. And one of the things that someone said sucked about this movie was there was a huge loophole where he used his computer to get someone to come get him. And I was like, wait a second. That's the room fucking with him
1: absolutely that's the room and that is yeah and now i can leverage this against you because you know what your wife or your a, a strange spouse i'm gonna suck her into the room too and you're gonna watch you get to watch me torture her
0: and that happens later that we'll talk about for sure but it just seemed did you not watch the movie did you not understand really what's going attention on how this worked? Right. yeah yeah and that and that was a few people that said something like that and i was like no that's worse Don't you get it? They're fucking with him with the worst things they possibly can. She
1: said, I want to keep, I'll randomly give you hope and then take it away.
0: (sighs) So now he decides, I'm getting out of here somehow. I'm going up on that vent. Now this is another pretty creepy scene because he starts to see some of the past stuff in his life. So he sees uh, Lily with their baby being born the first time and he makes a noise and she kind of looks up at him. And he freaks out. So then he goes to the next one, and this one he sees his father. That's how you realize that the guy, you know, who was in the bathroom before, that that was his father, because he has a little argument with him, where the dad is basically saying, "Don't go." She lost someone as well, and he's like, "Don't tell me what to do. I I get out of here when I want to." So he probably did leave him in a home or something like that. But it seems like it's a year. It's a year since he left. It's a question mark of. How long ago did Katie die? Right. And she died of some type of cancer or something like that. Right. So while he's up there in the vents, there's some weird, not a skeleton. I think that's what made it better. It wasn't a skeleton. It was like this old dusty mummy guy with glasses. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he starts chasing him. But he's got this really weird slithering kind of thing that he's able to do. So it's really creepy. And... I think John Cusack bashes his head in with his uh, foot as he's being chased at one point, but he basically falls back into the room. Obviously, he's not getting out of there. Once again, he's pissed. He goes to he wants a drink now. Obviously, why would you not? I would. At this I would point, want he's kind
1: of like, "Fuck it, even if it is laced, I don't care."
0: I just took a drink right now, just talking about it. So he opens Inspiring. up the yeah he opens up the freezer fridge, whatever it happens to be, the little <laughs> mini fridge, and there is Sam Jackson. And now it is not Sam Jackson. I also another person mentioned this before. They were like, Well, he's the one in charge of the room. No. No. This is just it's the room him. fucking with him. <laughs> so and this is where Sam Jackson and John Cusack's yelling back at him and he's really yelling into <laughs> you know all the all the food that's there. there. Yeah. Right. But that's where Sam Jackson talks about people wanting to believe in ghosts because it shows them something of the afterlife. And John is says, I'm doing a job. Get me out of here. I'm doing a job. And he just gets really pissed off and he wants his drink. So he shuts everything down. He also right. goes to the the Bible that was there in the room and now it's empty. They have a scene of Katie looking even worse again in the hospital, talking about how she's going to die and she's okay with it. And her parents obviously being like, no, you're going to have a full life. Don't worry about it. And she's like, no, I'm I'm going to die.
1: Okay, everybody dies.
0: Yeah, she says everyone dies, which is always a creepy, a creepy thing. They show John Cusack and Lily having a little fight where he says he's going out to get he flips over a table, which is always great in any fight. <laughs> and he he's like, I'm out for cigarettes. And this must be when he leaves her. Right. Is when he went out there. Then the fax machine in the room goes off and it faxes him Katie's dress that she was wearing when she died. Yeah. And that's fucking creepy. Right. fucking <laughs> creepy. And it's got to be pissing him off, obviously. And he goes and he, like, cleans it so that it's, it's better looking than it was. It was all grimy before. And now, once again, this is my fucking hell. Because he goes out into the hotel room, the main one anyways, and it's fucking snowing. And it's, like, negative right. five. And he's got nothing because he only brings one bag with him. So he barely has anything to, like, cover up with and stuff. So now he has to huddle down. He's made a fire of all of the
1: autopsy photos
0: yeah all that shit you know playing cards and whatnot he's just lying there with a blanket and he's talking to his voice recorder about not rattling and whatnot you know he's still talking into it he's not gonna you know he's there for the story something's going on but then he hears that noise in his computer again it's working again and lily's there and she's like hey where are you she's like what's going on call the police, I'm going to die in here. Yeah,
1: I'm in the dolphin, blah, blah, blah. But
0: he doesn't want her to come there. He just wants no, her to call the call police, the which is a big thing. But then all of a sudden, his picture disappears, and it's a different picture of him, a different video. Yeah, And that doppelganger tells her, hey, show up to the dolphin. I need to see you. I've missed you so much. We can work stuff through we all this. We need to talk about. Yeah, we got stuff we need to talk about. Come to the dolphin. Don't even tell them you're there. Just go up to 1408 and come in. And, and he's yelling at the computer, no, don't do it, Lily, don't do it. And that little doppelganger of John Cusack like looks and like smirks at him. It's fucking, it's fucking great. So once again, that is the point was the hotel has or the room has a chance to get more people and use this against him and make yep. him possibly commit whatever it happens to be. Right. Then the room basically starts tearing itself apart. It's like a little mini earthquake. It starts raining and pouring. I think the pictures all start doing all these. Transforming. Re- I guess that's the one technical nudity you get is from the teacher in that one one like pulls out her breasts or something like that. It's all creepy. Right. The yeah. boat's rocking back and forth. It's just mass chaos. Like Kelly said at the at the beginning, you see that weird mask guy with the hammer or whatever in the picture with the ship which is strange as well, he starts just downing the bottle of alcohol or trying his best to, as there's a hurricane basically happening in, in his, his room. room. He goes to make a move to, I guess, break the picture, the one with the boat and all right. the water and stuff. But the water just gushes, gushes out and kind of almost drowns him in the Bloods room. the room. Yep. Yeah. So he's trying to hang on. He's trying to hang on. but it, it's, And it's a good little scene. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up, and he's on the beach, and he Topping looks up. up water. Yep, and he looks up, and that plane that was going by with the advertisement, the last four digits of the phone number is fourteen oh eight. And you're like, motherfucker, did right. they just did they just swerve everyone? This <laughs> right. a dream sequence, whatever it happens yep. to be. They, this time he wakes up in the hospital after briefly waking up on the beach. Yes. He wakes up, he's in California, and there's Lily. And he's like, wait, I'm not in New York? Not in the Dolphin? She's like, I've never heard of the Dolphin. And
1: I'm, he, I'm still your next of kin contact. Yeah. They called me when you almost drowned yourself.
0: <laughs> he's like, She's like, I can't believe you still surf.
1: Yeah, right. Really, dude? How old <laughs> yeah. are you? Yeah.
0: They have a conversation. She asked him why he left. And of course, now this has been in other movies. This is kind of cliche. But he says, whenever I looked at you, I saw her. Yeah. And I would imagine... That any parent that's had to deal with something that terrible, it's probably true. So they go out to dinner. He asks her to stay. She says she can't. And he looks around. And he's starting to notice random people that might look like people that he remembered from the hotel. Right. But it's it's brief and it's glancing. You know, it's not that. Right. Truly, or it's,
1: a, it's that flash where it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were someone else. Like It's that kind of, did I really see that? Or...
0: He goes and he looks up again in the library or whatever and it says that that initial guy who died from jumping off the – or jumping out of 1408 actually died from jumping off of a bridge. Right. Then he starts writing. He starts writing about his whole experience in 1408. He goes to the post office and he wants to send it off. Now, unfortunately, the guy who we told you about before is not working there. All of a sudden, it's the guy who was the baggage guy. From 1408. Yep. And now all the guys that used to work at the hotel, and I thought this was another cool scene, they just start breaking everything in the post office, just destroying and ripping up everything. And now, in his head, from what you've seen, that's probably a couple days. He, he, oh, maybe yeah, yeah. even more. That he's,
1: that he's been taken, quote unquote, he's been taken out of the room and he thinks that he's back to normal or that this never happened or however it wants, however it wants to be.
0: And maybe even longer because he wrote the whole story. He wrote the right. whole manuscript to whatever he was going to write about 1408. And now they're just ripping up and as they're ripping up the things, he sees the minibar and he sees the escape route with just the 1408. He sees the burn me alive brick wall and... That's where he's been the whole time. So the room just completely fucked with him. Oh, yeah. Completely made it. And he starts yelling, I was out. I was out. Uh It's just so good. then you hear. Uh Oh, it's so good. So good. So now the room is just torn the fuck apart, obviously, because it just had a hurricane plus a snowstorm plus all that water damage and everything. He takes a toothpick out of his mouth that he did not have. When he was in the room too. Right. And he does a very good job of being pissed off and yelling I was out. Which I which I mentioned before. Then all of a sudden, a brand new door with no backing appears in the living room where he is. And he saunters over to it. He is pissed. And I think everyone would be. <laughs> he's completely justified. And now he's kind of got... He's past
1: the- fear. It's at the point where you've enraged me. And if you're going to kill me, Just then kill me. Right.
0: I'm not standing for this shit anymore. So he goes over to the, <laughs> to the door, and he's got this smirk on his face, like this like angry, like, I am angry. He, doesn't, he just feels it. He doesn't turn the knob, and he just leans in, and he goes, open it. And it's just, it's just this fuck you to the room. Just fucking open the door. I know what you're doing. Just do right. it. So it opens. He doesn't walk into it. It's an old cliche horror trick that they do where the camera, like they did a lot in Evil Dead's, where the right. camera zooms into you, yeah. and that's what it does, and almost like it's—it's it's almost like it's entering his mind, if that makes sense. Yeah. So perspective. Yes, and all of a sudden the door is gone, and he's now just there in the room, and fuck, he hears Katie again, and this time it is her. It's her, and she's walking, she's calling for him. And this scene fucking gets me every time. I know we've talked about this on the show before. This is one of my all-time favorite horror movie moments. Because people know me. I love the horror movie genre. But I also have a strong hate for it. Because so many horror movies are so stupid and cliche. Like the paranormal activities enrage me. There are movies they just take advantage of. They've changed the horror genre to what it shouldn't be.
1: Well, no, it's a, it breaks down to your whole, it's just a haunted, you've, you've managed to manufacture just a haunted house effect because all it is is pop out and go boo. There's right. nothing to it.
0: Yeah, I like the psychological. I like the the greatest parts of horror movies are when there are those moments that really get you. They're very visceral. <laughs> if anyone didn't know, there is a, a very cute dog watching in the background and listening.
1: Yeah, yeah, sorry about that.
0: Sorry. So this is the pivotal scene now. Katie shows up, and she's literally there, and she's wearing the clean dress that John Cusack used. And he's like, you're not, it's not you. He's like, it's not Katie, it's not you. And she's like, yes, it is, it's me, Daddy. And she's walking, and her feet are bloody, because obviously the floor is filled with glass and dirt and all this stuff. And he's like, no, it's not you, it's not you. And as she walks towards him, he just falls to his knees. He doesn't lightly go down to hug her. He is so overwhelmed With emotion that he falls to his knees. Collapses. And she hugs him. And she's like, don't you love me, daddy? And it's all creepy because you're expecting her to like, this is where bad horror movies would do something stupid. Where she'd try and stab him with something or her face would turn into a a goat. Like the guy who who was swinging the hammer. She'd turn into him. Like that's a bad horror movie. That's not the good stuff. This is good because this is real emotion stuff. And so he says, of course, I love you. Like, he's completely forgotten about the room now. And he's just overcome by his love for his little girl who was taking away from him too soon. The things that I notice right away, she says, it won't let me stay. They won't let me stay. It won't let me stay. And he's like, of course you can stay. She's like, I wish I could stay with you and my." And his nose is bleeding and his ear, there's blood mm-hmm. running down his ear. And he's just crying. He's like, no, no, of course, Katie, you can stay with me. You can, of course. And... All of a sudden, she just fucking dies. And it's like she's dying for a second time because my theory on this is the room is able to bring or have ghosts of people that have died in it before, that, it, that have killed themselves, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it probably has like 50-something ghosts in it, you know, that it can use at right. any time. Spirits that are probably stuck there. Katie's spirit wasn't stuck anywhere because she wasn't a lost soul.
1: Yeah, she wasn't a victim of this.
0: Right, and she wasn't a unfinished business ghost either. She was probably in heaven, you know, if we're assuming that in a world where there are ghosts and stuff, there's a heaven and a hell or whatever. So we're going to assume that she was in heaven probably. That's why she's saying it won't let me stay because she's not a ghost captured by the room. The room must have ripped her out of or her being, her her spirit out of heaven or whatever to be here to torture him. Right. Which is fucking nuts. It's fucking crazy. And then I all mean, that su-
1: explains the whole theory of this is, you know, it's a, not a seven circle of hell situation. Like, this is a gateway. So that way they're able to pull from either end
0: That's possible. to do this. Absolutely. No, you could absolutely be right about that. So he's hugging her tight and then she just goes lifeless and she dies in his arms. I am not afraid to admit it. This is one of those movies that I tear up any time I see this whole scene. I can tell it's getting to Kelly right now. She's getting very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> She she passes away, and he's just holding her there, crying. And as that fucking song plays, he's so startled, his arms go around her tighter, and she crumbles to fucking dust. It's so well shot. It's so oh, well absolutely. edited. Yeah. This movie is very well edited. I think this movie is very well acted. It just works, everything that they're doing with here. Because that's why I... When I read some things where people are like, it's basic, it's a basic haunting movie. I don't see this as a basic haunting movie. I think they put a lot more emotion into this, which is something he needed. This is something that the short story doesn't have. Because the short story is, you know, he sinks in like quicksand for a little bit. And it's scary. There's an ominous vibe. There are no jump scares in the book. That's no. you know put in for the movie, obviously. Because movie-going right. audiences, you know, for some reason need that. But in general, there's no backstory. There's no passion in the things he has to go through. This is more of a let's get to the worst thing you can possibly like. That's why you can tell that when they're talking about people that have died in the hotel, one guy slits his own throat and then, in a hysteria, tries to sew himself back together. One guy becomes a eunuch, like he just cuts out, like does self mutilation. Right. This hotel room is getting, this, this evil room is going to the very core and essence of a person. Right. To I'm going to find
1: out exactly what it is that, that's going to tear you apart because right. there's always something.
0: So he just loses his mind. And he just, even though the room is basically nothing anyways, he just starts smashing everything. And you see that the clock is still counting down. Because what we didn't mention was as he was talking to Lily on the computer, there was like 15 minutes left of in that, that hour. hour. Yeah. So as he like just lays down on the ground, exhausted from beating up the room, the timer clicks down to zero and the room just magically appears again. Oh, Everything's yeah. completely fine. He's fine. You know, he's back in his regular, you know, Hawaiian shirt, whatever he's We've wearing. restarted. Yeah. He gets a phone call. And it's that woman again saying, are you ready to check out? We're going to replay this hour over and over again. Or you can take the express checkout. He starts walking around. Now, he is zoned out right now.
1: Well, that and this is also where it comes out. He, he even says to her, if you're going to kill me, just kill me. And she's like, we can't do that because there's free will. <laughs> free will
0: yep. So he starts walking around. And he sees a noose in the living room. I think in the mirror or something, he sees a silhouette of himself. Going on the noose and getting strangled to death. But he's not doing it. Him hanging
1: himself. Some
0: people didn't understand that. Again, he did not do that. That was a vision (sighs) that he had in the mirror. He is okay. He did not do that. Then they show like the gravestones for...
1: Come in, Katie. One thing that I I think is interesting is the rating system for movies nowadays is supposed to be age related. And when it comes to what you keep telling me of what you found on people complaining, I feel like it shouldn't be an age system. It should be an education level. You haven't completed college. You're not (laughs) going to get this movie. So we're going to just ask you not to go because we're not going to have to want to explain it to you.
0: (laughs) And he goes and he's like, just do whatever you're going to do to me. She mentions that Lily is on her way. So what are you gonna you know, what are you gonna do? You gonna relive this hour, you gonna take that express way (laughs) out, express checkout. And then the phone starts melting as it's saying like gibberish. And that's something from the short story as well. So he goes ahead and he says, you know, I've lived the life of a selfish man, which you can get from that because he left his wife in her time of need. He left his father in whatever institution or whatever that happened to be. Right. So he gets his jacket on, he takes his cigarette. And he takes that very expensive bottle of alcohol, he tears up his bandana, he puts it in there, and he creates a Molotov cocktail. And he mentions again, I think he says, we came here to get the job done, we don't rattle, and this may not be real, but this flame is real. And he puts it on his fingers and he's feeling that it's real. So he takes that bottle, he lights it up, he throws it into the bedroom, and now that whole wall is on fire. Yes, And you hear some screaming. You hear that the room is being hurt.
1: Yeah, assaulted.
0: Now the alarms are going off everywhere. So the hotel now has to be evacuated. Everything is being connected. That is part reality. So people are evacuating. Lily shows up. So she goes and she's yelling to the police officer like, oh, my husband's up there. My husband's up there. He's talking to himself and talking to the room basically. He's smoking that cigarette. He's like, you can try all you want. You know, it starts putting the sprinklers on, but it's too late. There's too much flame. There's too much stuff. He's like, I'm going to go down with the ship. Fuck it. I'm not
1: going to take your route. I'm not going to hang myself. I'm going to do
0: this still my way. Finally, he goes, you know, he starts talking. He's like, I'm going to give the Dolphin Hotel 10 ghouls. And he takes that that glass because as people should know about fire, if it doesn't have oxygen, it's not going to completely spread. So it'll snap itself out. So he's created basically a backdraft as he throws.
1: It's an ashtray. Yeah. One of
0: those antique, like, big, huge glass ones. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, this is something from the 20s where everyone smoked, and that was just what you did.
0: Yes. So he goes ahead, he throws it out. Now, obviously, there's a huge explosion of fire. Everyone looks at it. It's only in the room. So it only comes out of the two windows. It doesn't travel anywhere else. It is contained. Yep. And you see, like. John Cusack's crawling on the ground. He's kind of burnt a little bit, but it's mostly ash and stuff. And he's just laughing hysterically. And he's all happy that he's going to take the room down with him. Mm -hmm. Which is very smart. I'm surprised no one else tried that. They must have been too wrapped up in their own stuff, whatever they were getting into. But fire seems to be the way that you get rid of most things that are evil.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, but that gets, you're getting into the religious aspect of it. It's, it's the phoenix rising from the ashes. It's the cleansing. I mean, that that's the whole Salem witch thing. That's why we burned you at the stake, because we're cleansing yeah. your soul.
0: And that's why in Game of Thrones and stuff, you kill the zombie guys with fire and all that kind of stuff.
1: Viking burial. Yes. When you return to Valhalla, that's, right. you're set on fire.
0: Now, this is where, depending on what version you watch, the ending changes. So... Right. Let's do mine first, then, okay? Okay. All right. So, this is on the collector's DVD. There is no option for seeing the other ones. It's just the way it comes. So, on this one, firefighters get in the room, they bust it open, they pull him out. He is coughing and telling them, Don't go in that room. Don't go in that room. Now, they flip to Sam Jackson, you know, drinking a drink in his manager's office, it seems. The 1408 sign is like bleeding. It's almost like bleeding the blackness, the evil. Right. And with complete revenance almost, Sam Jackson is smoking a cigar and drinking a, a glass of some type. You assume it's some very fancy liquor. And he says, Well done, Mr. Enslam. Well done. He is not in control of that room and he wants it gone. So right. this was a good thing. So it's it's a very nice little like you did it. Right. Then Mike wakes up with some burns for sure. He's in the ICU. This time he's in New York and Lily's with him. He talks about the crazy stuff that happened in 1408. You just see a, a briefing and it just shows their new house. And she's trying to unpack things and she comes to the box of stuff that they recovered from the room. You know, it's random burnt clothes and like his tape recorder he goes, get rid of that stuff, but here's the tape I'll keep the tape recorder. He's writing now what he wrote before, and he even mentions it. She goes, Wow, you finished that already? He was like, Well, I wrote it before, which is kind of a little inside, you know, to what right. happened. Nod back. And then he starts playing the tape recorder. He starts flipping through it. And as she's walking around, you know, with the boxes, she hears Katie's voice. And she just stops dead and drops the box and looks over, like shocked and horrified. And he looks at her and has the same kind of like stern, like, look what I went told through. You. Yeah, told you. And that's how the movie ends. So that's one of the endings. Now, Kelly, why don't you take me through the Amazon ending, which I also know about as well. But take me through that one.
1: So the Amazon ending is he dies in the fire. And the next scene is his funeral. Monk is standing there with his <laughs>
0: wife. <A> monk. <laughs>
1: You know, and she says, "You know, he's they're finally together, kind of a deal." And they're walking away, and then Sam Jackson pulls up and says, "Hey, they are going through the room, and we found some some artifacts that belong to your, you know, your late husband, and we really want to give them to you." Tony Shalhoub pretty much just cuts him off and be like, "You know what? It's it's we're good. We don't need that." And they and they walk away from him.
0: Well, hold on though. Mention that line though that he used.
1: It's an evil fucking room.
0: No, well, that's uh, that is a good line. (laughs) No, what what he mentioned though. Was when she basically waved it off and was like, I don't want to remember him that way. Now, by the way, this is like the same box. So it's in a nicer box because it's like a keepsake kind of thing. But it's basically what the other one that I just mentioned had in it. Okay. So when he goes to give it to her and then she waves, she's like, I don't want to remember him like that. He mentions, but you should know he did a good thing. Because yeah. of him, that room will never be. And that's when Tony Shaloup stops. That's when Monk stops him. Is like, right. look, he, she's been through enough. She doesn't have to hear this stuff. But he was going out of his way to show that his life meant something. That And no one's going to believe him. Who's going to no, believe no, that yeah. stuff? But right. he did try.
1: So then, of course, he they walk away. Sam gets back in his car and he puts the box down. There's a flash of something and he looks up in the mirror and it's John Cusack in the backseat completely burned up for like a split second, and it scares the shit out of him he opens the box too to just yeah. look at the tape recorder well, he as well, listened right? to it he, he listened to it, it and right. he heard
0: katie's voice and that's when he looks up and he sees the specter yeah the burn-up specter or whatever and then he looks back and is like oh it's gone i think that's dumb i don't yeah, i don't that, see the reason I think that
1: was necessary yeah i don't yeah, see no. the
0: reason for that but there's still one more part of that too right so the <laughs> the rest of it is after that happens they flash back to the room the burnt out 1408 and there's John Cusack and right, he's right, yeah right. yeah and he's looking around and he hears Katie say you know hey come here now this is where so Mandy is the one that brought this up to me okay she believes that Katie died cuz i was wondering i was like well because what happens is and this is where Mandy was wrong on one thing but she was probably right on another he doesn't seem happy to go talk to Katie again. like So what happens is you hear Katie's voice, and then he's there and he goes, he turns around, like he doesn't smile when he hears the voice, and he turns around and he goes, of course, and he walks and disappears into the room. So she said he's happy to go see her. I don't think so. I I don't think that's what it is. And she mentioned, I was like, well, why would Katie now be part of the room? Well, because the room has now had Katie die in it, technically maybe there's some weird now version of katie that's there that he has to be with that well, may maybe to not be trying katie to
1: save her and that's why he's trapped in the room because he die in the room you're trapped in the right. room like it's that so, kind of a.
0: so now maybe they're both trapped in the room right which is a shitty <laughs> it's a shitty thing to happen i don't know i think that's where it kind of I'm a little iffy on. And then there's a third one, too, which I've never seen. I don't know who's seen this ending, but apparently there's a third one. In that one, they have him die in the room. They show Sam Jackson doing the same thing where he goes, Well done, Mr. Enslin, well done. But they don't have a funeral. They have Sam packing up stuff with Lily. So they have Sam, which is Monk, packing up things with Lily. And in the box of stuff he has, he goes back to New York and he has the somehow... He has the manuscript for 1408, and his door slams in his office, and it's a saying that his father said, As I was, you are. As I am, you will be. And that's the end of the movie. So I don't like that ending at all. But what I would do, and this is something I had thought about since I saw the movie the first time, and only knew there was one ending at that time. I've always only known the ending where he lives, Interesting, then, okay. Yeah, and then here's the voice on the on the tape recorder. I would be completely fine with him dying in the room. I mean, he gets engulfed in flames. It's it's realistic that he would die with right. the room. I don't think I think because he destroyed the room, he wouldn't be caught in there anymore. Basically he would have set all those souls free. I think. Which means Okay, he so would,
1: you're taking the self-sacrifice route.
0: Yes. What I would have is I would have had him die in that room so there's nothing left in there. It's no longer haunt whatever. They don't redo it. They just that room is never looked into right. again. Right. But then I would have that she maybe not at the funeral, but maybe she would get the personal effects of his. And she would get the tape recorder and listen because I think that's a big thing is having her hear the tape recorder and hear Katie. I think that's the biggest deal of all. Is that hearing him and her interact shows that there was more to the room than anyone else knew. So to have her hear that by herself and to have him take care of the room and still pass away, I think that's the ultimate ending.
1: Well that and it also I mean, it also solidifies the whole there is life after death. You weren't in the wrong for bringing up heaven and stuff with your child before it passed away. Like, that's that's a good way to solidify it that way. I do like the idea of the script only in the fact that, like, they don't have to be that cheesy about it. It would be interesting if it just, you know, they do like a panoram over the guy's desk and it's just it the, the male person drops it off and it's just sitting there. Like, that would be interesting. Like, you could just do that and not say anything and that works well as, as well. Oh, I
0: gotcha. My big thing is I want her to hear it. Because I think that oh, no, yeah, was the yeah. best. It's not about a happy ending or whatever. No, no. I no, think no. that's her realizing that he actually went through this. Something. Yeah, that's the whole point. So I don't mind if he lives or dies. I think her finding out about that's why I don't like the Amazon one or the one that people saw in the theaters where Sam Jackson gets the jump scare. Like I don't like that because she doesn't hear that her daughter was there with him.
1: Right. Well, that in the jump scare is such a sellout. I mean, that's it's not necessary at that point in the movie. Like you've done so well, and then I feel like, oh, your editor yeah. called in sick, so you let the the kid next door do it, and this is a stupid bullshit he put yeah. in.
0: Because he's away from the room. The whole point right. is it's the room is haunted, not yeah. Sam Jackson's character, not the, character yeah, not the recorder. Stuff. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't transfer. So there's a no transference. Right. So yeah. So hey, there's the movie. I think I love that movie. I think it's one of the best. Even though, oh. We actually, sorry, before we even go into that, the ending to the short story is that he lights himself on fire. Right. Yeah, he lights himself on fire. That breaks the power of the room because the room isn't expecting him to do something like that. He gets out of there. He has burned. He burns himself so that he can't write anymore, but he doesn't have a family. He doesn't have any of that kind of stuff. So it goes on to talk about how he he can't sleep with the lights off anymore. The room doesn't get burnt. It doesn't happen. The room actually, there's a guy who comes out of another room and like helps him and the guy mentions that he can hear something calling to him from the room and jo- or mike has to tell him don't go in there it's a haunted room and the door slams shut by itself those were all the endings that i <laughs> know about and that's, for still,
1: that's still a purification thing as opposed to i'm taking the room down with me it's it's i'm purifying myself which is the whole you know setting someone on fire
0: very true like i said I think this is one of the best, even though it's not exactly the story of Stephen King, it's one of his best adaptations because it conveys the mood of what the story is. So instead of the way Cell was, instead of the way I mean a million others that we could talk about, everyone should know how much I love Stephen King. So I love talking good about what he does there are a lot of bad things when it comes to movies not as much with the books but the movies themselves that get adapted that is the problem this goes up on the list of the good ones like the mist and stand by me there's not that many so no i mean because it's
1: so hard i mean yeah. it's so hard especially if you have any type of actual book book to make that leap to where they're even remote because you're always going to piss someone off because at least when you read it's your, it's your personal interpretation and no one's going to live up to that but I feel like with Stephen King and with short stories you can make it work more because it will give you more options to be creative and still keep that mood and feeling correct.
0: Right. I would definitely recommend this movie. I seriously think that that scene with him and Katie is one of the best horror movie related scenes you can have especially from a relatively recent movie you know within the 2000s because you know obviously horror movies went way downhill this is one of those ones that i think really delivers i think Mm -hmm. the scenes between sam jackson and john cusack are very good i think all that stuff is very very good so i would definitely recommend this movie no doubt about it what about you kelly
1: yeah absolutely um it's definitely one of those ones where i don't mind watching it it's not one that's going to get campy on me it's still a fun movie to watch and it's not a it's not a Freddie Jason. It, I prefer something that gives you a little bit more to think about and that you have to pay attention to because there's so many throwbacks or so many hints to something else. And that's more fun because it it makes you don't you can't hide behind your fingers with this one. It makes you watch it,
0: yeah, you have to know, and that's why we were so detailed in what was happening is because you have to be able to piece all those pieces together to see what was actually going on. So if you didn't watch this movie for five minutes, you went to the bathroom, one of those things might have come back. And you didn't notice that. that's why I think a lot of stupid people on the internet have to ask about this stuff instead of just watching it fully and understanding it. Right. That's kind of the way things go. So look, Kelly, we come to tell the story and we don't rattle. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that song is so fucking creepy. It really yeah, is.
1: There's, there's, just, The way that they... You can just either speed up a tempo or completely slow it down with even some, like, more... And they did.
0: They slowed it and down, it like, just... once, yeah.
1: Ugh. <laughs> but, I mean, that's true. They do that with a lot of horror movies where it's, like, you know, it's the ice cream truck music. But if you play yeah. it, like, three notes at a time, you're like, holy shit. Well, think about the,
0: the Freddy music. The one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And it's yeah, just yeah. little girls singing. It's never it's never adults. It's never, like, boys or something. It's always little right. girls, the creepy... Yeah, it just... It works well. That's what they yeah. do. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, so we got this all completed. I'm a big, huge fan of this movie, so I hope everyone else <laughs> really enjoys this. So, look, we're going to go back and forth between good and bad horror movies and everything. So,
1: Right. Well, I'm going to say this. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave, oh. it, gave it a 79, even though audiences Buck only yeah. gave it a 61 because, like I said, we need to change the rating system <laughs> to education level, apparently.
0: 79 is a pretty good. I think I'd put this around uh, yeah, absolutely. there, too. Yeah. Yeah. That works out very well. Just look at the ratings for horror movies recently. This has to be one of the top ones because there, there are a few. I mean, you know, Kelly and I are deciding on how we want to go. We're gonna do like we mentioned before. We're gonna do the screams. We're gonna do. I know what you did last summer. We're gonna do those random ones. I've heard very good things. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard very good things about the Babadook. Heard, yeah, that's on Netflix right now. That's supposed to be very good. The Conjuring. I've heard very good things about. I'm not. Oh a big, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big possession type person but it seems like that one's supposed to be good there are plenty oculus i like a lot i think oculus is a very good movie so there there are things we'll go on to as as september and october rolls through progress yeah yeah, yeah. but from then kelly what would you like to plug
1: um well you can always follow me on instagram at nerdy girl ivy as well as on facebook
0: thank you everyone for listening thank you to all the haters out there that are yeah paying attention, subscribing, rating, and sharing, much appreciated. Please, like we mentioned every episode, it really helps us out if you can take the time and rate us five stars, if you like the show, of course, but rate us five stars on iTunes. Give us a review. That helps out a lot. You have no idea. And then, like always, you can listen and stream and download every single episode of Ian Hates Movies and Ian Hates Music on the website, www.ianhates.com you can also interact on twitter instagram it's ian hates podcast and then on facebook facebook.com slash ian hates and wow, i know this a lot of stuff and email me ian at gmail.com there are plenty of ways to get in contact and to tell us how we're doing what movies you'd like to hear us talk about same with music stuff Tons of interviews and conversations coming up in the music, plus tons of surprises on Ian Hates Movies and Ian Hates Music in the future, plus Ian Hates Love coming soon. All this stuff is going to just completely run into each other and explode in awesomeness.
1: <laughs> and Ian will be doing this full-time, apparently. That's how he's describing this particular thing.
0: It is almost full-time right oh, now, Oh my god! to be completely so, honest.
1: But guys, we really want your feedback. If you want to email us and let us know what we're doing that you like, what you don't like, or what you want to hear more of, we're completely open to that. We're always looking for a little bit more info. I mean, we get no problem putting on a crappy movie and going off on a tangent that has nothing to do <laughs> with
0: it. So we, we do those as well. So I, just let us know. The thing people wanted most was more soundboard sounds, and I've been Absolutely. giving it to them. I have been giving it to them. <laughs> so we'll come back with our next new movie. And like I said, we're going to probably keep with the horror. We might throw in some random... One every once in a while. But it is coming up to that time. And especially the 20th anniversary of Scream. All that stuff is coming. I'm going to hopefully go to Rock and Shock. And hopefully meet Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich. Woo! I know. Unfortunately, I'm even going going <laughs> by myself because no one cares. And I'm like, come on. It's Billy and Stu from Scream. What the fuck? We'll end the show there. Kelly, do you have any final words for everyone?
1: Well, I got a request to say stay scared. But personally, I like the fact that this movie is pushing. That if you want to see some real ghosts... Haunted Mansion Orlando.
0: Ah yes there you go. Well done. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks everyone.